Hello, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., as in fellowship, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Tuesday, December 15, 2020, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in Chapter 2, There is a Solution, on page 22, paragraph 4. We will be reading and commenting on that one paragraph only, which begins on the bottom of page 22 with, We Know, that while the alcoholic and ends on the top of page 23 with will abundantly confirm this. Today's readers are Jennifer H., Sam S., Katie G., Katie T., and Crystal P. This meeting is being recorded and the recording share ID numbers for yesterday, Monday, December 14, 2020, are 15,986 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. That's 15986 and 15,987 for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. That's 15987. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jennifer H. from Virginia to read the OA 12 steps. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Jennifer H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Praise God. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Jennifer H. from Virginia. I will now ask Sam S. from Rhode Island to read the OA 12 Traditions. Good morning. Thank you for leading. <clears throat> 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these principles of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Sam S. from Rhode Island. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book and we are in chapter 2. There is a solution on page 22, paragraph 4. We will be reading and commenting on that one paragraph only, which begins on the bottom of page 22 with, we know 
that while the alcoholic and ends on the top of page 23 with will abundantly confirm this. I will now ask Katie G from Boston to go ahead and read that for us. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Eater in Boston. We know that while the alcoholic keeps away from the drink, from drink as he may do for months or years, he reacts much like other men. We are equally positive that once he takes any alcohol, whatever, into his system, something happens both in the bodily and mental sense, which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop. The experience of any alcoholic will abundantly confirm this. So when I first saw this paragraph, I was like, oh man. So the reason I say that is because for me, you know, taking any food of any kind, and I want to be clear, like for me, I'm allergic to sugar and flour, and um, I have an abnormal reaction to exercise. And so I can't take any of those any in any form whatsoever. And it was crucial for me to work with someone in whom the problem has been solved to help extrapolate what that means. Um, and a lot of time there can be confusion between what a plan of eating is versus abstinence. Abstinence is a list of foods, ingredients, and behaviors that when I put that into my body, it, it ignites the phenomenon of craving. And the reason I have that reaction is because Yes, like when I read this, absolutely abundantly confirm this. So diets work. So go to Weight Watchers. Go, excuse me, I'm sorry. Go to go to an outside program. You know, lose weight, exercise, fix yourself. You're fine, right? But what's so beautiful and brilliant about this book is that we're getting to the main problem of our disease, which is so exciting and will be discussed in great depth and beauty tomorrow because the main problem of my disease is in my mind. It's, it's before the phenomenon of craving. It's before I put that food into my body. And, you know, a lot of times I'll hear people say that they're, they're preying on what their abstinent foods are and they're trying to figure it out. And for me, that wouldn't work because, again, the main problem of my disease is in my mind. I have a, and it's not feelings for me because what happens is I have thoughts right? I have thinking and now I have feelings and then it ignites and then the, the feelings ignite that desire that, that I block everything out and uh, I don't even think about all the times that I've picked up food before and I'm back in the food again over and over and over again. So for me, I have to remember this paragraph is not a loophole. This paragraph is not saying, hey, Katie, you're, gonna, you're, you're fine. You're good to go. I, I think it's important too. I heard an alcoholic say, that I react much like other men, but the delusion that I am like normal people has to be smashed. This isn't get comfortable anonymous, right? This isn't um, get, excuse me, get normal anonymous. This is overeaters anonymous. I'm abnormal, and I do have this phenomenon of craving, and it changed when I put that food into my into my body. It changes me mentally. But if I really have a seat in overeaters anonymous, the main problem of my disease is in my mind, and that's what leads me to get to the phenomenon craving each and every time. I'm so grateful to know that, and I'm grateful to know that even when I'm recovered, I'll finish this, this, Rebecca, the main problem still is in my mind, and I must seek counsel each and every day from God and from all of you, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. from Boston, Massachusetts. 
Now, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience, too. So if you'd like to share on the fourth paragraph on page 22 in the big book, we know that while the alcoholic through will abundantly confirm this, please press star 1 to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Bonnie B., Minnesota. Amy G. Larry. Shelly C.R. And wait a minute, I'm behind. Um, who was after Johan again? I forgot. Her Larry. Name. Oh, yeah, Larry. And who was after Larry? Shelly C.R. Shelly C.R. And did someone speak up after Shelly, or am I up to snuff here? Okay, who else wants to get in line? Thank you for. Christina J. Christina J. Bonnie B. from Minnesota. I have you, Bonnie B. You're first. I have Bonnie B., Amy G., Joe, well, Johan M., and I know I'm butchering. Tina S.? Was it Tina S.? Yes. Okay. We'll stop there. I was saying Johan M., Larry, Shelley C., R., Christina J., and now we have Tina S., and that's a good lineup to get us started after Katie really started us. So, Bonnie B., it's your turn. Bonnie B. from Minnesota. We don't hear you. So sorry about that. I was talking. Um, Thank you so much, Rebecca, Mm -hmm. and thank you, everyone else, for being here. Bonnie B., recovering compulsive um, overeater from Minnesota. Um, The the phrase that sticks out to me is, he reacts. Um, My first thought was, it doesn't say, I may react. It says, I will react. over and over and over and over, I've stepped through this same cycle where I thought I could do just a little bit of something, and I do react. And so it's, it's not an option. It's not like I, I might at some point react with regards to the foods I know I'm um, allergic to and need to stay away from. I will react. And so knowing that I will react should make me, just as if I were allergic to anything else, it should make me run the other direction. And so... Um, once again, the big book is so very clear with regards to what will happen. And in this particular paragraph, that idea of um, this is what will happen just brings it home to me that I can never again go back to these foods. Um, the definition for reacts is responds or behaves in a particular way in response to something or suffers from adverse psychological effects after ingesting, breathing, or touching a substance. Um, KG was kind enough to go into detail with regards to the, the disease in my head. It is a disease in my head. The problem starts and ends in my head. It starts with a thought, and if I don't shut it down, actually take that back. I had a very kind sponsor tell me a couple of days ago, it's not shut it down, it's turn it over. If I don't turn it over to another person, ultimately my higher power, I will once again go down that same fatal track because this is who I am and this is what I do. And so with that, I just um, I wanted to share that, and thank you so much, and I'll pass. Thank you, Bonnie B. from Minnesota. Amy G., and where you're from, it would be great. Good morning. Thank you. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. So grateful to be here today. Um, so grateful for Vision for You, OA Vision for You. So it says here, alcohol... Uh, 
takes any alcohol, whatever, into his system, something happens. So very clearly what's been said as well, I'm just going to repeat, something happens. What is that something? Uh, the phenomenon of craving. That's the allergy to me. It's the phenomenon of craving. So if I put my allergic ingredients um, into my system, I'm going to have that phenomenon of craving. And, you know, it says here both in bodily and mentally sense. I mean, again, let's be clear, as others have said, the first bite in a relapse is the end of a relapse. It's not the beginning. I think there's a tendency to think that, you know, we slip because we put that bite in our mouth. Well, my slips, my, I don't know about you all, but my slips and my relapses happened way before that first bite came into my mouth because it's my thinking and my feeling and how I'm reacting to life. I think that word react is very specific because that's the way I reacted. I reacted, that's the way I lived my life, by reacting. I didn't respond to life. I reacted impulsively, compulsively. I didn't know any other option than to react to life in a way that was unhealthy, unrealistic, and based off of feelings and emotions. And now I've learned a different way by being restored to sanity through working these 12 steps. I have learned how to respond to life. I may not do it perfectly, but I'm now equipped with other options besides the one option, which was to eat and to kill myself with compulsive eating. Now I can respond to life in a healthier way using God and these 12 steps. And it's a much better way to live life, let me tell you that. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thanks, Amy G. from Maryland. Johan M., and correct my pronunciation, please. Hi, this is Johan Ann. I thought you pronounced it really, really well. (laughs) Johan Ann, like Nancy. Uh, And uh, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Falun, in Sweden. Thank you so much for service. And uh, thanks for the show so far. Uh, It's been lovely listening in. And uh, for this paragraph, it's a really powerful paragraph. I mean... I've been dieting uh, my whole life, uh, trying to get this thing under control. <laughs> uh, and uh, like, the, like the book says, like Big Book says, that this is a progressive disease. It only gets worse, never better. And it, uh, it only got worse. I mean, through the diets, white knuckling it, uh, trying to keep on a diet uh, that would fail. And then I would go back into the food and you know, just uh, gaining more and more and more weight. So finally I came to OA, but just joining OA didn't make me abstinent. Uh, I, 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 coming to OA, I was first running my own program uh, with an insane food plan because I was still insane. And like uh, people here before me said, this uh, problem centers in my mind. Uh, so I, I had to... I had to, to go out to see how, how the disease was really killing me. And when I came back, then I got the desperation written all over me. Uh, and then I was where I needed to be. And I uh, started working the steps. I worked the steps really fast. And uh, I got the spiritual experience. with, uh, And with that, uh, the, uh, the obsession uh, with my... Uh, alcoholic food, my trigger food, just disappeared overnight, which is a complete miracle. 
and that is where the problem is. Uh, today I live in step 10, 11 and 12 to the best of my ability, one day at a time. Uh, and uh, with that I live in complete freedom. I have no interest in my trigger food anymore, or my alcoholic food is gone. I've been abstinent over 18 months now, which is a complete miracle. <laughs> and I'm not interested in this food anymore. I can, I can bake with my, with my family. Uh, I can cook this food. We can have it at home, uh, which was impossible before. So uh, I'm so grateful for this program. I'm so grateful for uh, really good sponsorship within Norway for this meeting at Avision that are fantastic. I love these meetings. And uh, yeah, for the steps that, uh, for the steps how, how they are outlined in the big book. And there is a solution and that's, that's the, yeah, that's just amazing. So I'm so, I'm so happy and grateful today. And thank you so much for service again. And with that, I pause. Thank you, Joan M from Sweden. Larry? This is Larry G. from Northern California, and uh, so grateful to be on this call this morning, especially to hear the person who kicked it off. What a spirited, passionate interpretation of um, their experience, strength, and hope on this paragraph. Um, well, there's some good news and some bad news in this paragraph for me. Uh, today, the good news is I'm equally positive that once I take any alcoholic food, whatever, into my system, something happens, both bodily and mentally, which makes it virtually impossible for me to stop. Um, the good news is that this paragraph is really clear. Um, it is virtually impossible for me to stop. Uh, I used to be able to stop. In fact, that was my calling card in OA for many, many years, for 26 years, is that I could stop. But as uh, Terry O says from uh, Oregon, I knew the binge was coming. I couldn't stop. Um, the bad news is, and I speak for myself. I'm not speaking for anybody else in this call. I'm speaking for myself. The bad news is there's very little hope in this paragraph. In fact, there's very little hope in this big book unless I surrendered. I had read this big book cover to cover hundreds of times. Um, I'm a recovering alcoholic, 39 years. I've been to um, Joe and Charlie's big book studies. Uh, this book has been rebound half a dozen times. It's falling apart right now. Um, but we AAs who come to OA make very poor OA members because uh, we think we, we know it all. And I was talking to another long-term member on the, call, on the phone yesterday about this, about how we come in here thinking we're um, uh, either Miss Bill W or Mr. Bill W. Jr. And uh, what had to happen in order to have hope is surrender. Uh, surrender is vitally, critically, the single most important ingredient. And I surrendered. I collapsed on May 17th. I came here May 17th. I did not want to live. And I was working on 39 years of sobriety August 2nd. Um, and today, I can tell you for the first time in 20 years, and that this is while being in over years anonymous, uh, that I am actually going through the holidays absent. Uh, I've been absent since May 17th, and that is, I, I take no credit for that whatsoever. I'm a sick and dying drunk without God. These steps, my sponsor, uh, this book has given me hope 
It's given me a new way of seeing things. I've never read this book through the eyes of a compulsive reader. And again, it would have meant just another exercise. I, I would have joined this meeting without surrendering May 17th. It would just been another meeting. Um, and I was so beaten and in a submission. Um, I now know that I was, uh, I was rarely mildly intoxicated. I was more or less insanely drunk most of the time. And I presented myself as absent because I could stop. And, um, um, I was, I lost the, the ability to white knuckle it. And thank God for that. Thank God I lost the ability to white knuckle it because I, today I'm going through the holidays abstinent. I'm alive. I woke up this morning. I couldn't, I couldn't wait. I'm in California. I couldn't wait to get up. And most mornings at the end, I pray to God to just take me. I didn't want to live another day. Um, so grateful. Um, so grateful. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Larry G. from Northern California. Shelly C.R. Good morning. This is Shelly C.R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Northern Minnesota. Thank you so much for your service, and thank you for everyone who's online giving service as well. Um, So this morning, I laugh, like, listening to this paragraph um, because of the fact that, like, what I didn't realize uh, about, I don't know, like a year and a half ago now, um, or just over a year ago, was that, like, in my case, so um, I had, you know, okay, yes, I recognize, like, when I put, you know, certain things into my mouth, like, it triggers this reaction, um, but the problem is in my mind, and I need to turn things over, but I wasn't fully at a place of turning things over, and so... I quote unquote um, worked alcohol into my abstinence, <laughs> which is, that's the part that I laugh about. Like when I think about this, and so literally, it's these words that you know. I it, when I read this book, when I go through, while I don't necessarily change the words out loud in my head, I think about you know changing the word alcohol to food and whatnot. Um, but in my case, I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, ready, I wasn't willing at all to give up just alcohol in the sense of as part of my abstinence, as part of the fact that that's like sugar, that's pure sugar. And so um, I uh, I would then relapse because then I would have some alcohol with some friends, you know, have a glass of wine and then I'd be like, whatever. And I would be in a totally different place, um, you know, and it's, and so it was, it's this paragraph, like, I think about, I, I, you know, during that time did not go back to this specific paragraph, but it literally was for me, um, uh, you know, that once I took alcohol, and in this case, literally into my system, something happens, and it all just goes down the tubes. Um, and then it was once I turned it over to my higher power, uh, just even the willingness to stop drinking and having alcohol as part of in in my life, Um, then my higher power, like, worked this magic. And, again, you know, I have these experiences periodically, and this was a really powerful spiritual experience, is that it wasn't me at all that uh, stopped it was my higher power, 100%. I wasn't necessarily at a place uh, uh, consciously to to, to um, take that last piece out of my abstinence. 
or to to take alcohol out of things. And my higher power took over and was like, yep, apparently you're done. And and that was that. And now I'm um, just under a year of abstinence um, and for real abstinence, right? Entire abstinence. And I'm so grateful. And it wasn't me. It's that part of turning it over. I need to turn it over to my higher power. And when I practice that on a daily basis and go through the actions and do all the footwork, that is what I experience. And it's that, you know, thank you. And I'll wrap up the bodily and mental sense. And I don't have that calling towards the food obsession, uh, towards the food, towards uh, the triggers. Um, And I'm very grateful. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Shelly C.R. from Northern Minnesota. Uh, the next person to share is going to be Christina J., but while she's unmuting, I'll just let those of you who came on the meeting a little late know that we are sharing on the fourth paragraph on page 22 in the big book. We know that while the alcoholic through will abundantly confirm this at the top of 23. Christina J. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Great shares this morning and yesterday, too, just wow. Um, this is such a great section of the book that's just pounding into our heads. We don't have the specific answer, and once we pick it up, we can't stop. I mean, this is just going over and over and over, telling us, pounding into our heads, trying to get us to understand step one. We are powerless over food. Um, I, I'd never reacted like other men when I was away from my binge foods, Never. I was always thinking about them, always trying to work my food to try to get uh, a substitute back in that would taste like it. I was overeating my abstinent foods, uh, which weren't abstinent at the time. They were diet foods, um, and over-exercising. So I was not a normal person ever. And uh, the diets never lasted for me for more than maybe uh, maybe a month or two at the most. Um, the longest diet, well, actually one did, Optifast went on three months, if you all know what Optifast is, and I was working at a law firm downtown, and I was so insane. I mean, I was insane, and I lost all my weight. I was model thin. I was stunningly beautiful, and every woman in the office was excruciatingly jealous of me. I was miserable. I, could, I didn't have any energy. I kept pushing the envelope because I wanted to get down to even skinnier than I'd ever been. I was insane. It's not normal around food at all. Um, and I remember getting so miserable. I mean, I could barely walk to work one morning, barely walk. And I would walk, I would park blocks away to walk to get extra calories burnt. And I was hardly eating any calories. I mean, the insanity isn't crazy. Um, and I got to work and I sat down. I could barely function. I could barely lift my arm, my pencil to do my work. And I remember having a cup of coffee, which is one of my trigger uh, foods or drinks. Um, and... That was it. I had the creamer in it, and I was off to the races. I mean, I was off. One bite, and I was off to the races. So I I can't take it. I can't take anything into my system uh, at any point. Today I'm neutral around food, which is a miracle someone shared about white knuckling. What a misery. Oh, I hate white knuckling. It's absolutely horrible. But you know what? You don't have to anymore. This program... This solution will bring you to the point of neutrality, and you will be happy about it. I mean, I have delicious abstinent foods, and I don't overeat them, nor do I want to overeat them. It's just a miracle. You know, and I have to say, for me, I am so grateful that I can't pick up my binge foods. I am so grateful that God gave me this 
allergy. Because you know what it means for me today as a 62-year-old woman? That I get to be healthy. I get to choose foods that are good for my body, that taste good, and that feed my body. Like we put good gas in our cars and oils, and oil in our car. I get to have delicious foods that feed me mentally, physically, and spiritually. And it makes me calm, positive. You know, sure, I have bad days. We all do. But I am so grateful that God gave me this because now I can really be of service in my older years and not be sickly and having to go to the doctor all the time because I'm in the food or laying in bed or, you know, just a sick person that thinks they can eat pizza at any time. I mean, for me, this is a gift. This is a huge gift because God wanted me. And he, I was born with this. And so eventually he knew it was going to bring me to him. It brought me to this beautiful program, this solution, this way of life that is better than anything I've ever experienced in my life. So um, you're out there and you're suffering. Uh, get in here. Get in here and do the work, and, and you'll find a life better than you've ever uh, dreamed of. And I don't mean, you know, balloons going off and fireworks. I just mean that you'll just find this calm, peaceful place to be, and you'll want to be of service to others and help them too. All right. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Where are you from, Christina Jay? Oh, I think she muted already. Uh, okay, maybe next time we'll find out. Tina F., and then we'll take more names. I'm sorry, I'm from the state of Thanks Washington. Thanks so much. State of Washington for Christina J. And Tina F., go right ahead. Thanks so much, Rebecca. Tina S., recovered compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow, what a great meeting. Heard a lot of really good things. And, uh, you know, when this paragraph was read this morning, it just, you know, struck something for me that, you know, I really, really do need to remember, you know, because as a, a recovered compulsive eater, uh, that took me a long time to get here. You know, uh, it, it talks about, you know, the alcoholic keeps away from the drink. You know, when I, I can remember, I first came into Overeaters Anonymous in 1985, and that's not my abstinence date. But, you know, I, I got the food plan and a treatment center. You know, I was at a great weight. And you know, and I thought I had arrived for sure, you know, and um, and I can remember that, you know, because I thought I acted, I re- I reacted much like other people, you know. I thought, you know, this is this is the deal, you know. In my mind, I, there was some freedom that I could eat four meals a day, you know, and be at a normal body weight. But then, then it talks about we were equally positive that once he takes any alcohol, whatever, into his system, something happens, you know, because I'm bodily and, and mentally different from others, for sure. And that's not what I got from a food plan, that I was bodily and mentally different. I got a diet, pretty much. And, and, and they work, you know, but if I'm bodily and mentally different, I won't stay on that food plan, let me just tell you, because nothing is good enough for this compulsive eater, you know, so I had to die at the food plan. And then, you know, and I just love the previous share because I got to that place, you know, uh, where I couldn't think anymore and I was weak. And, you know, the, the only solution that I had in my mind, since I'm so underweight now, you know, maybe this won't hurt. Maybe it won't, maybe it'll work this time, you know. And so then I, you know, and, and initially, you know, and, and, it, and it could be an abstinent food for other people, but for me it was not you know, the first bite. And then I didn't eat it again for a long time, but I was loonier in a tune because that's all I thought about. You know, so what I know today, you know, uh, when I put that stuff in my body, it's, it's virtually impossible for me to stop it. 
you know. And so what I need to do is to turn to a power greater than myself. And that's what the steps are for. You know, what I, what I know is, you know, if I follow my food plan and I don't eat my alcoholic foods, you know, I can have, uh, you know, a, a normal body. And But the only way I can react normally is, is if I work 12 steps and have a psychic change, a transformation for me that only comes about through the 12 steps. And therefore, you know, I'm placed in a position of neutrality. And I can be around it and don't even want it. And that's where the freedom is. And so, so grateful to be on the line. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Tina, is it F or S? I'm sorry, Orlando, Florida. Yeah, but your last initial. S S? is in Sam. Oh, S is in Sam. I said the wrong thing. Yes. Okay. No problem. Thank you, Tina. S as in Sam from Florida. So um, if you haven't shared on A Vision for You on Friday or Monday and would like to share on the fourth paragraph on page 22 in the big book, we, we know that while the alcoholic through will abundantly confirm this, please press star one to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Nikki in the UK. Larry K. Okay, hold Nikki on. Nobody else from speak. Georgia. Wait, 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 wait. Nobody say anything else. Who's from the UK? Liz. Oh, Liz. Okay. And what's your first initial of your last name? E for elegant. Liz E, right. Okay. And then I heard Larry K. And then it was... Who was it again? Aunt Nikki. Nikki. Yeah, Nikki P, as in Paul. Nikki P. Okay, great. And Carmella we have room G. for more. Carmela G. Thank you for your patience. And who else? Is there anyone else who wants to share on this? This is Nancy Yale from Georgia. The person from Georgia, could you repeat your name? Nancy L. Nancy L. Okay, let's go with the five of you and see how we do. Liz E, Larry K, Nikki P, Carmela G, and Nancy L. Liz E from the UK, it's your turn. Oh, good morning or good afternoon, depending where you are in the world. I'm Liz E from the UK. Um, I'm really thrilled to be able to share. Thank you so much to everybody for their service and for their shares. Um, Just really need to get on and share today. Um, Get myself, I've been unwell with various things. I've continued the program, but not in quite the same way. So I need to get back with gusto. And... um, We are equally positive that once he takes any alcohol, whatever, now that word, whatever, is so important to me. It is whatever. So, you know, it's Christmas and, you know, people are saying, you know, people are dropping off mulled wine at people's doors to do a Zoom party tonight. And I just thought for a moment, maybe, of course, I can't. Whatever I take into my system is, um, you know, no good. Uh, you know, I have the most amazing recovery since during this pandemic. Why am I going to risk it for that? But I have to be on my guard 
all the time. And it is only for today that I am recovered. And it is this word, whatever. Um, You know, because in the past, you know, people would say to me, oh, Elizabeth, just have a small piece of cake. Nice to join in and celebrate so-and-so's birthday. It won't hurt you. And I believed that. And, of course, I really wanted to be like other people because other people can do this apparently, and not need to then binge the rest of the day. But for me, that word, whatever, is like whatever I do, I have to be mindful of my allergies um, and my allergic ingredients because I risk the... um, So I'll leave it there and pass. Thank you. Thank you, Liz E. from the UK. Larry K. Good morning, Rebecca. Thanks so much for your service. Uh, appreciate it. You know, by way of contrast, I, I, I want to discuss it here. We're learning about both the two components. Do we have the two components? Do we have the abnormal physical reaction? And do we have the, uh, the, uh, the twist of the mind? I want to give you a contrast of there are people in our midst that have one component of two. They have the, the allergy, but they do not have the twist of the mind, the obsession. My daughter Beth, uh, has, uh, she's one of those people. She, she has a peanut allergy. She has an abnormal physical reaction. I, she doesn't have to wear like a scarlet letter P or something. You would never know that uh, she has a peanut allergy. Nothing would give it away whatsoever as long as she stays away from peanuts. Now, if you saw, if she was accidentally exposed to peanuts, you would see something I, that, that you probably wouldn't want to see. It would be very distressing. See, her, her throat would begin to close up. That's her abnormal physical reaction to the introduction of peanuts. Now, my abnormal physical reaction is not throat constriction. My abnormal physical reaction is my desire for more intensifies in a normal person, our, when we eat anything at all, at some reasonable period of time, our desire for more becomes satisfied. It never intensifies. It never magnifies. Now, with Beth, her abnormal physical reaction is throat constriction. That's a physical reaction. And uh, now, again, she doesn't need a spiritual awakening. She doesn't have to go to Peanuts Anonymous or anything along those lines to uh, stay away from peanuts. She just stays away. But if she ingests them, you know, obviously her throat would, you know, would close up and she could die from that. Now, she, she looks like a normal person. I look like a normal person. But, what, but see, I have the second component of two. There's a mental uh, reaction that drives me back. Now, I have the physical abnormality which says that when I eat an Oreo cookie, my desire for more is magnified. That's why one is never enough. 50 might not be enough. And it's unpredictable. It's unpredictable when that kicks in. But the thing is, is that, as it says, something happens in my mind, too, that drives me back for wanting more of the very same thing. Can you imagine if Beth, if someone on the line that had a peanut allergy, if their desire for more peanuts, the very thing that was killing them, would be intensified, then we would need a Peanuts Anonymous. 
we would need some type of intervention, perhaps a spiritual transformation sufficient to drive out the obsession that drives her to the Walgreens or the CVS to get more peanuts. But she doesn't need that, see? And I have to identify in with the twofold nature of this disease. If I don't, I will die. It may be a slower death, but I will die. With that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Larry Kay from Chicago, Illinois area. Uh, Mickey P. Good morning, everyone. This is Mickey P. from Savannah, Georgia. And yes, this paragraph is everything. It's, we know that while the alcoholic keeps away from drink, as he may do for months or years, and for me, while while I have never done like a fad diet, and maybe it's because I'm in my 20s, I was like, I always made my own little diet, and I thought it was normal. It's like, oh, everyone starves themselves to fit into their cheerleading outfit or, you know, purges a little bit so that when they go to dance class, they're not the quote-unquote chubby one in the class. Um, and it was, it never lasted for years. Um, the obsession lasted for years, but the quote-unquote diet that I would put myself on to be this very – whimsical ideal weight or body size which where the hell did that come from because there's no such thing um that's what I would do and I love that it says taking any alcohol whatever into the system with me I know that when I take those alcoholic foods into my system I have an abnormal reaction and it's like my cousin, for example, she can eat a whole pizza, and guess what? She eat that damn pizza, and it's done, and it's over, and she don't think about it again. And on top of that, she don't gain no weight, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, I will not only gain weight, but I also will try to chase that effect with then something else that has flour and fat and sugar. And the thing is that it took me reading this book for me to realize, okay, that's not normal. <laughs> I thought when I was going to birthday parties and eating up the damn birthday cake that that was normal. Like, why are y'all not joining in? It's something wrong with y'all. Um, and I realized, no, they're normal eaters. You're just not, honey. Um, and today I accept that. And, you know, it's funny. I think it's so silly that I was using my body to cure something that's in my mind. And it's like I would never go to an orthopedic surgeon to solve something that's going on with me neurology, you know, in in my brain. But that's what I was doing. I was using food to solve something that's within my mind. And I thought it was normal, you know, until I came into these rooms and I found out, no, um, it's the spiritual change that I need, this personality change that I need to shift. And first it was being open-minded and willing because in the beginning I was not willing because I was in my early 20s and I thought I knew everything. Um, So I worked the hell out of my food plan, worked that to the best of my ability. And when I got to this quote-unquote perfect size, I was still unhappy. Thank you. And I'll wrap up. And now I'm just happy to see that looking at these ex-problem drinkers and hearing these shares lets me know I am utterly abnormal when it comes to certain ingredients 
And as long as I stay away from those ingredients, I can then have sane relationships with food like that of my cousin one day at a time. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Mickey P. from Savannah, Georgia. Carmela G. Thank you so much. Um, this is Carmela G., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from New York. The reading that the reason I needed to share is the reading states both in the bodily and mental sense. I could handle with my diet for a temporary period my losing weight, wonderful, and not eating my treats. But mentally, it was always that reward at the end of the journey. Oh, when I get to so-and-so, then I'm going to have this, 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 and this. So the mind was what I was neglecting. And along with the mind was the spirit. And only after six decades did I realize, yes, From the beginning, I did believe in a power greater than myself, but I didn't have a relationship. I didn't trust. I was the director. I was the person in charge. So therefore, I was a powerful woman that could lick this allergy. So of course I could lose weight. But the reality was I didn't realize how sick my mind and spirit was. And this program allowed me to dig deep into my soul and my heart and peel away the facade of six decades. And once I did that, God was able to work in me and allow me to put the food down. And today... I'm grateful for my abstinence, without a doubt. I'm grateful for losing those 175 pounds at the age of 67, without a doubt. But most of all, I am grateful for the miracle that he allowed all of this to occur. So for me to pick up today, that would mean that love relationship that I have with my higher power. I would be spitting in his face and saying, I know better. I want what I want. And that is why I work this program just so I can stay in the sunlight and show my gratitude and live in gratitude and love every single day, no matter how tough life gets. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. I pass. Thank you, Carmela G. from New York. Nancy L. from Georgia. This is Nancy L. from Georgia. May I be heard now? Yes. Good morning, Nancy Uh, Okay. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for your shares. They're so wonderful and strengthening. 
um, I enjoyed reading that paragraph and the word that jumps out at me is whatever. Whatever. Um, I am allergic to sugar. And it doesn't matter if it's white sugar, brown sugar. Um, someone I told someone I couldn't eat sugar, and they said, well, try natural stuff. Try some natural honey. So I tried natural honey. I wanted to eat the whole jar of honey. Then I thought, okay, I will start using those little packets. I won't use any sugar. I'll just use little packets of all sorts of non-sugar sweeteners. So I tried those. They make me crave everything. So I have to totally stay away from whatever kind of sweeteners my body does not respond well to those and my mind goes absolutely bonkers. I want more and more of whatever that is. <clears throat> Another thing that I've learned about my disease is if I feed it, it gets stronger. If I don't feed it, it weakens. When I came to OA, I heard a term about food behavior. I thought, what is food behavior? And I know when I commit now food incorrectly, food behavior, I strengthen my disease. And my food behaviors, some of them are pretty gross when I try to describe them. But one of my food behaviors as I'm in the kitchen cooking is to scrape the bowl of whatever whatever I have in there that tastes good. And as soon as I take on that behavior, I feel a weakness in my body, in my mind. Um, I have this food behavior when I'm cooking something. I want this, just one spoonful of it. And that doesn't work. So I'll get a spoon and just take one bite. Well, that food behavior weakens my strength. So those kind of things, the food behaviors, any kind of sweetener, whether it's sugar or non-sugar, I can't even buy the sugar-free stuff in the store because it makes me want to eat the whole thing. So I thank you for letting me pass, and I thank you for letting me share my experience. And have thank a good day. You. Thank you, Nancy L. from Georgia. Um, you know what? It's five minutes before the hour, and that means we're done with sharing right on the button. And so this is where I thank you, everyone for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The share ID number for this meeting, Tuesday, December 8, 2020, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 15,993. That's 15993.
please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Katie T. from South Carolina please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Katie T., are you there? Katie T., star one to unmute. Crystal P., are you available? Can you hear me? I hear someone. Who do I hear? I need it, Elle. Before you take care of it, Anita L, I I appreciate you speaking up, but just one sec. Is either Katie T or Crystal P on the line? Hi, can you hear me, Rebecca? This is Crystal P. Yes. Okay. Thanks, Anita, for trying to help out, but Crystal P is our backup, and she is here. Go right ahead, Crystal P, with closing us out on 164. All right. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.